tonight on a special report of Rotten or Righteous News. <laughs> God, I don't have to tell you, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and I'd like you to turn to Genesis because there's some flooding in that book. And there's a garden, and so as you all know, my mother, she's trying to read the Genesis, but I don't know where to go. So anyways, let's turn to Job. Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous Mash and Sackcloth, the only podcast that's like a cold sore. We go away for a little while and your life gets back to normal. Maybe you even thought we were gone for good. Maybe your podcast cold sore had finally gone into permanent remission. But then one day, your upper lip starts to tingle and you can't find that little tube of abriva you bought seven months ago. And then before you know it, boom, we're back. I don't think I've ever been compared to a herpes before. <laughs> That's not true. You've been my friend for a long time. I guarantee that you have been somewhere to a herpes before. That's somewhere along the line. You have certainly called me a herpes. It's been a while, though. With me today, as always, he's the only 50-year-old man I know who just signed a 40-year mortgage, which I think is a little optimistic. He's Scott Judge. <laughs> Just call me Herpy Malone. <laughs> and me, uh, I'm still sorry we're doing this. I thought we were done. <laughs> I did too. I'm like, where, where is Zach? Where is Zach? All right, so we told you we were going to camp for two weeks. Me and Scott did record a little episode that we were going to put out, but it sucked. So I didn't. And so I was just like, it's okay. I'll get back after two weeks. You guys can survive without me. But then when I got back from camp Monday, uh, when we normally record, no, we normally record on Tuesday, right? I don't know. I on don't know. <laughs> on Monday, I started having like the tail, tail signs of a cold, right? Like, mm -hmm. And then Monday night, I had a fever so bad that I had to get every single blanket we had at the house and put it on top of me. Wow. Just to stop me from shivering. And if you know me, 70 degrees is too warm for me. I think mm -hmm. 70 degrees is hot. So for me to have all them blankets on top of me, it was a serious uh, a serious night, but the fever broke halfway through the night, and I kicked all the blankets off me because I was dying of, of heat stroke. But mm -hmm. for the next two, three days, I kept having a fever that spiked and then broke and then spiked and then broke. But I took a COVID test on Monday. 
that came up negative. Mm-hmm. No COVID. Okay, great. It's just my yearly flu that I get after every mm-hmm. week of camp. Now, last year, you may remember that we recorded uh, Battlefield Earth or some uh-huh. parts of Battlefield Earth when I had the, the yearly flu. It might have been two years ago, but that's because I was more committed and cared more about the show back then. <laughs> that Luke's not here. So, then, Friday, I took another COVID test, and this time it came positive. But by Friday, oh. I felt pretty much back to normal. So I was like, okay, cool. But I still called the, the congregation and... and we ended up having online services because you couldn't find a, a spare preacher last minute. And so I still mm-hmm. preached, uh, but it was just a Sunday morning. But then Monday hit, and I wasn't feverish, but I was just, I need to quit messing with things. I was just absolutely exhausted. Yeah. I woke up, I'm not joking, for every day last week, I woke up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and went to bed at 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And all Mm -hmm. I did during those few hours that I was awake was sit, eat, and play video games. That's it. That's all I did for an entire week. And But luckily, by the end of the week, I started getting back to normal, and now I'm basically back to 100%. I'm all good. It's no fun. COVID is no fun, but... We're back. We took a month off on accident, almost to the day. <laughs> our last episode, our last episode was 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 published on June tenth. It is now July twelfth. So we took yeah. a month off, and I I the gotta say, you know what? None none of our fans were like, "Hey, are you guys coming back?" So <laughs> no one missed this. So in we the, got in nothing. The, in the end, I mean, I I thought I think that you guys wouldn't care less. <laughs> One way or another, if we you know, if we get mail that states "Sorry, you got better," we'll know. Yeah, that that's gonna hurt. That's gonna it's a whole lot. That's gonna hurt my my precious pride, and I have so little pride that that would really. But now we're refreshed. We're right. rested. No, we're not. We're just uh, we're just rusty. That's all we are. But the so problem the short the short episode we did it wasn't it wasn't very good. I don't know. I didn't even actually listen to it. Um, <laughs> is that is that the one where we talked about? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't realize you weren't looking for follow up questions. No, no. I, I I had it on my computer to try to edit it at camp, and then I was like, I'm not going to edit this at camp. And then afterwards, I'm yeah, like, no. You know what? Our hundredth episode should be the episode where we just go. I'm sorry, we were gone for a month. That would be the better hundredth episode. That is more rotten or righteous, right there. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, because we kind of took a look back and get uh, all the episodes. Really had a little bit of fun with that. You still may want to publish that sometime. Oh, someday. I mean, next time we I have talk about your fake daddy hugging you and uh, uh, grandpa's secret. Next time I have COVID, I'll definitely do that. Um, yeah, but uh, I did have something of a a focus group for the podcast at camp, which was yeah. kind of fun. Uh, uh, I stayed down there because I live six hours away from camp, so I stayed down there for two straight weeks. I didn't come home on Saturday. And so some of the other, uh, they call them, 
I almost said they call them pre-campers. They act like young kids that aren't old enough to be campers, but they're, uh, oh, what do they call them? Uh, junior staff? Junior, yeah, junior counselors, JCs. So some of the JCs stayed uh, behind, and I was bored because of, there's nothing to do because you're in the middle of nowhere, and the new Jurassic mm-hmm. Park movie came out. And so I turned to the JCs and I was like, you want to go see Jurassic Park with me? And they said, yeah. And so I had three or four of the JCs that stayed. We all piled in my truck and and we went out to see Jurassic Park. But on the way there, I forced them to listen to our podcast. Yeah. I got to tell you, every single introduction we did, they loved it. Every news story, (laughs) everything. They really didn't care about MASH at all. Yeah, what? Shock, shock. The first... The first 20 minutes of our podcast is a hit. If we could just figure yeah. out how to do that for the entire, you know, hour, we'd be golden. Uh-huh. But yeah. uh, that sounds yeah. like a whole lot of work. But that's just might uh, be what happens today. I did save every single news story that came my way that I wanted to talk about. Oh, my goodness. We're not even going to get to MASH tonight, are we? I don't know. It just depends on how much content we can get out of my three news stories and uh, my Guinness Book of World Records page. Awesome. Okay, Scott, awesome, awesome. here's here's my first news story for you to react to. I'm, I'm super excited uh-huh. about this one. Mm-hmm. Jill, Jill Biden says Texas Hispanics are unique as breakfast tacos during San Antonio speech. What? <laughs> <laughs> How is, was she called to the carpet for racism? But I was actually invited to speak at Chinatown, and I told them all they were unique as fried rice. (laughs) I can't wait to hear the end of this. I was invited to go speak to a bunch of of Eskimos, and I said, each one of you is just as unique as an ice cube. Yeah, just just as unique as a pie, an Eskimo pie. As unique as a breakfast taco. So, know what an Eskimo uh, me, pie is. Me, what is an Eskimo pie? You've never heard of an Eskimo pie? It sounds dirty. It, uh, well, it's not, unless you throw it in the dirt. If you, like, throw it out on an old dusty Sounds dirty. Well, yeah, it, it's not. It, it's... <laughs> what is it? <laughs> what is an Eskimo pie? It's a. It's a. It? It's ice cream. It's just a chocolate bar. It's a vanilla. It's like dip- an oblong. It's it's like an oblong. Uh, uh, Dil- dilly bar uh, from Dairy Queen. Bar. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> See what I'm saying? If you threw it down, it get real dirty. Yeah, it'd probably break. And Piketon would go into a level two snow emergency. Um, (laughs) That was a joke only for us. Um, (laughs) Biden was speaking at the 2022 Unidos U.S. Annual Conference titled Siempre Adelante, Our Quest for Equity, when she made the remark. I I thought that sounds... What is equity? Like Equality. The quality of being fair and impartial. Why wouldn't you just say equality? Equality? Or justice? 
or equitableness, as the thesaurus points out. So Anyways. I'm looking up breakfast taco because in my mind I'm picturing uh, those Top. things that uh, – oh, hey, top story. Jill Biden apologizes for breakfast tacos. Oh, I'm good. picturing those things at McDonald's. Uh, what are those called? Breakfast burritos? Yeah, burritos. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> we wonder why we're uh, down in the Hispanic demographic. <laughs> Hey, we're Anyways. totally against Joe Biden now. So hold up. Torti- t- tortillas layered with potatoes, crispy bacon, soft scrambled eggs, and all the toppings. Yeah, they're delicious. I'm not saying that. that delicious. I don't have yeah. anything oh, yeah. against breakfast talk. I mean, I would describe you as a breakfast taco. Yes. But that's just because you're a snack. I'm a little crispy and scrambled. <laughs> At the time. I have to. At, at the time, she was commenting on Unidos U.S. President Raul Izaguirre's work. Sure, I got that right. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the bodegas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as breakfast tacos here in San Antonio is your strength, she said. <laughs> Crash and burn. Oh, my love, my darling, I hunger for your breakfast taco. The event is the largest gathering of Hispanic advocates. K-E-N-S reported. Each year, the Unidos U.S. Annual Conference is the premier event devoted to the diverse Hispanic community that is moving our country forward, the conference notes on its website. And Joe Biden took us backward about 50 years by calling us all breakfast tacos. Biden's comments... (laughs) (laughs) See, Zach, before you go on, I'm really racking my brain right now to come up and think what was she even trying to say? Why wouldn't I she mean, just I, say taco? Or, well, or, or any at any Mexican food? Why does it, it... I think the problem that she got into was she called it a breakfast taco. Like, that is no. clearly... No, that is clearly a fat American food invention. We took the deliciousness of a taco and said, yeah, let's put bacon, potatoes, and eggs on top of this thing. <laughs> Call it a breakfast taco. Call it a day. It does. I'm not. No one's arguing that it's delicious. I'm salivating here. Biden's comments (laughs) come at a time when the president is seeking to reach out to Hispanic voters who have voiced displeasure with his job performance. In Texas, (laughs) in Texas, Republican Mayra Flores won a special election for the 34th congressional district in June. That was a seat the Democrats held for more than a century. The district, which stretches from San Antonio down to the Rio Grande Valley on the Texas-Mexico border, is mostly Hispanic. This is my favorite part of the whole story. Florida Senator Marco Rubio apparently took notice of the First Lady's comment. He responded by changing his Twitter profile picture to an image of a taco, simply writing, hashtag new profile pic. Well, it's, but why, why, I mean, to me, that's like saying you Kentuckians are as unique as cornbread and soup beans. 
the heck does that mean? Well, that were bland and tasted vaguely like dirty ham water. Yes, you're right. What? What? Dirty ham water? Dirty is not. Come on. Time out. Hold up. We're going off kilter with the show right now. You really don't like cornbread and soup beans? I mean, it's okay. I don't, like, I don't lose my mind like ladies did for the Beatles back in the 60s every time I see a pot of cornbread and soup beans. Boy, I do. You do that for any food whatsoever. If I brought you a ding-dong right now, you would do a backflip. It doesn't matter. Don't tell me that that yeah that it's you only do that for cornbread and soup. You do that for every food ever. Hey, you're a chef. Can you make me some breakfast tacos? You can make yourself breakfast tacos. Bacon, potatoes, and eggs are the easiest things in the world to cook. Toss some old El Paso on top of there and boom. Not like you. What? You don't have to work for it? Chef (laughs) Geiler. That's the only difference. I'm looking for a free meal. I'm not driving all the way up to Ohio to make you a breakfast taco. I'll come to you. I'm not. No, I won't let you in. I'm uh, waking Joseph up and I'm not waking up early in the morning to make you a taco. We don't have to have them in the morning. But you know what? You can eat a breakfast taco any time of the day. Taters, bacon, and eggs. That's every meal. Okay, Scott. I'm gonna send you uh, a video on Facebook. Hopefully you can play it, but don't play it just yet. Okay. I want to move on to our next story, which again comes from yesterday. I said I saved stories. Really, I just saved all the stories I liked from yesterday, apparently. This news story is titled, Local New York CBS Anchor Suspended After Appearing in Disarray Slurring Words on Air. I wasn't as sneak as you drunk I was. I was nervous. CBS Albany anchor Heather Kovar was suspended on Sunday after appearing on air in disarray and slurring words during her broadcast, according to the Times Union, in a media story that went viral. Kovar began her broadcast by noting a gas explosion at a plant in Medford, Oklahoma. She slurred as she said evacuations were ordered and that the investigation of the explosion was ongoing. She said, quote, Evacuations have been ordered for the town of Medford, Oklahoma, with unknown fatalities and injuries. Injuries are unknown in this situation. All right, so, well, hello. Good afternoon. Like I was telling you this morning, if you watched us this morning, I told you, you know what? What a beautiful day outside. It is just amazing. She just got done with the breakfast taco and some tequila. Cover also struggled to report on high temperatures and heat waves across certain areas of the country. More than 50 million people across the country southeast are under warnings for excessive heat. And boy, don't you know that? 105 degrees in Texas today. I just spoke with my mother. That's what she's dealing with. It's a major heat wave. And it is, it's it's just heading everywhere. We're so lucky. It's only 80 degrees here. We are really lucky here in the capital region. I mean, let me tell you about that. These areas are reaching 
such areas. I mean, it's Houston, Austin, San Antonio. I mean, they're not expected. It has happened. Like, you don't need us telling you that it's bad. It's like, like people are being told to like stay inside, drink a lot of water. And we are just lucky. This weekend right here is so amazing. Uh, uh, meteorologist Craig Adams is right here with you. I'm sorry, Craig Adams. Why did I say that? Of course, clearly, like here, we're taking a live look over uh, downtown Albany. And, and of course, just like me, meteorologist Craig Gold is working a double shift. And so um, he's in. And we've been, we've been tracking this. And, you know, we've been talking about just like what it's been like across the country and the different reasons that why it's so hot in other areas. And we're having really nice weather here. So let's get over to uh, Craig Gold. Hey, yep. Craig. All right. Good evening, Heather. And yeah, the weather has been quite nice here across the Did she the have a stroke? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, you go back and watch it again. Look at her eyebrows. I mean, she's got like the skunk eye on one. Her lips are all curled up as she's talking. Now, this isn't a laughing matter. You know, Cover struggled to report on high temperatures and heat waves across certain areas of the country. Heat warnings were put in place in southern parts of the country. The feels-like temperatures in Little Rock, Arkansas, were forecasted to reach 115 degrees. She said, quote, 105 degrees today in Texas today. I just spoke with my mother. That's what she's dealing with. It's a major heat wave. And it is. It's just hitting everywhere. We're so lucky it's only 80 degrees here. We're really lucky here in the capital region. I mean, let me tell you about that. These areas are reaching such areas. I mean, it's Houston, Austin, San Antonio. I mean, they're not expected. It has happened. You don't need us telling you that it's bad. You're the news. <laughs> hey, this may sound stupid to you, but I like to watch her every night. Because you just don't know what she's going to do. Listen, guy, over there, over there, Russia is doing bad stuff, but you don't need us to tell you that bad <laughs> stuff's happening over there in Russia. I think, I think she had a, I think she had a stroke. She said that people were being told to stay inside, drink lots of water, and repeated, we are just lucky, because it was just 80 degrees near her, while continuing to struggle to speak clearly. She introduced that poor weatherman for about an hour. She's saying that uh, exhaustion caused Yeah, that's what behavior. she wrote next. Kovar told the Times Noonian, or Times Noonian, see, she's, I'm no better. I'm no yes. better than her. Are you Are you tired? Are yeah, you tired, I am. Zach? Are you exhausted? Always. Yes. <laughs> Kovar told the Times Union that she had returned from a family leave following the death of her father. On Friday, I notified the station I would not be renewing my contract, which expires July 31st. Mm, sounds to me like someone's covering up the fact that they got a little sloshed on the job and got fired, but whatever. Saturday, I was scheduled to work the early morning 6 a.m. shift and the evening shift. I was sleep-deprived and exhausted, she said in a statement to the Times Union. The station told Fox News Digital that she will remain off the air for the remainder of her contract. That's a shame. Kavar posted to Twitter... What? what? Do you realize what kind of viewership they'd have if they'd leave her on? Well, I think that her main problem also is that she showed up... She's probably a 45-year-old woman, and she showed up wearing what looks like her, her homecoming dress from her sophomore year in high school. 
And so moving on tonight is we have to tell you also, you know, like other news that's happening in the area and across the area in the nation. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'll tell you right now, I'd watch this lady every day. Kovar posted to Twitter on Saturday and announced her schedule, saying that it was another marathon weekend. It's another marathon weekend. See you now, uh, 6 to 8 a.m., then at 6 and 11. And I'll be back Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m., and then 6.30 p.m. and 11. Lots of good live music out there this weekend. We have info later in the show. Enjoy. Now, to to her credit, that is a terrible schedule. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, that poor woman. Um, yeah, what a train wreck. Somebody said, this is not at all how Heather Kovair normally is. Cut her some slack and let her sleep off. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Listen, as someone who speaks professionally for a living, can you imagine getting up one Sunday morning and being like, God, I don't have to tell you, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and I'd like you to turn to Genesis because there's some flooding in that book, and there's a garden. And so, as you all know, my mother, she's trying to read the Genesis, but I don't know where to go. So anyways, let's turn to Job. <laughs> Ooh, doggies. <laughs> this has quite possibly been one of my favorite news stories we've done. I know, it's great. But, Scott, there's something else I want to do. Even though we've been talking for a whole half an hour now, and that's fine. Maybe this will be the show from now on. Who knows? We could just look at news stories. Right, and weird Wikipedia pages. Scott, oh, I, don't, boy. I don't know if you know this. This is in Wikipedia page. This is a Guinness World Records uh, uh, page. I don't know if you know this, but um, I'm, I almost said I'm pregnant. I don't know if you know this, but there's many there's many women in this world, you know, and some of them happen to be pregnant. And one of those pregnant women just so happens, as my mother says, is my wife. And yes. so, you know, I'm thinking about babies and whatnot. Pretty pretty fun, pretty fun time. We finally settled on names, so that's good. Now we just got to figure out if it's going to choose to be a boy or a girl, and then we can figure out what to name it. And then, so are you revealing the names? <laughs> let that joke just slide right past you and i appreciate that um (laughs) (laughs) yeah are you gonna wait are you gonna wait till it is 12 (laughs) no i i'll tell you then if it's a boy meaning it was born with male genitalia uh we're gonna Uh name it uh we're gonna name it um philip alexander and Uh if it's a girl we're gonna name it something else Man, she'll get made fun of for that. Yeah. Something else. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel bad that I completely blanked on what we decided to name our, our daughter, but uh, <laughs> let's let's be honest, she's not going to listen to this podcast either. <laughs> Are you sure you're okay, Heather? <laughs> listen, if I have a daughter, I'm going to name her something, and because the people all across the nation have names. It's 150 yes. degrees out there, but they still are naming babies. In Arkansas. Uh, They're no. still naming babies' names. That, that's probably the title of this episode. They're still naming babies in Arkansas. Uh, if it's a girl, uh, her name will be Liara Marie. Liara? Mm-hmm. That's very pretty. It is very I, no, pretty. So where did that name come from? Oh, video game. 
Really? One that you played or one that Kelsey played? Oh, Kelsey doesn't play video games. I told her that it was uh, it was actually Hebrew for love. Uh huh. <laughs> it turns out it's the villainess in Grand Theft Auto. No, it, it, I, I, it, I picked the name she agreed, and I told her where it came from. And I don't want to tell people where it came from because I don't want them to judge me uh, based on this podcast. Yeah, of course not. So it's Leah, Leah, Leonora. Leah, not Leonora. She's not a Ninja Le- Turtle. <laughs> Liara does mean in Hebrew, "Light for me, light unto me, my light," or "I have light." Uh huh. It is a Hebrew name. Yes. But her name came from one of my favorite video games, Mass Effect, a character. Uh, named Liara Tassoni, who's a blue alien lady with tentacles on her head. But that's that's neither here nor there. Anyways, here nor there. we're thinking about babies. All right. And everyone knows Hebrew women have tentacles on their heads. It's just a fact. Anyway. For all you Hebrew lady listeners, we're just joking. What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with our show? What are we doing with our lives? What is happening? The men wear yarmulkes, the women wear tentacles. tentacles. They just have calamari braided into their hair. Oh, boy. As was the will of Yahweh. Um, I was looking up some, some, you know, I, I want my family to be champions, Scott. And I'm uh-huh. not. I, I promise you, I'm no longer. I'm no longer impersonating Kovar. I'm just. This is just my stupid way of talking. I want my family to be champions. I mean, I want them. Boom, popping right out of the womb, breaking records. So I went online to look up some Guinness World Records that are related to birth. Oh my! And I got to tell you. Oh, that oh my! I don't think that we're going to be able to break any of these records. For example, take a wild guess. What the greatest officially recorded number of children born to one mother is? Ooh, uh, 13. 69. Oh, hold up. What? Oh, I, I thought like uh, just at one time. 69? How is that even possible? Was there a bunch of twins and triplets involved? Her name is unknown because, but we know she was the first wife of. Theodor Vasiliev, born 1707-1782, a peasant from Shuya, Russia. She gave birth to 16 pairs of twins, 7 sets of triplets, and 4 sets of quadruplets. Wow! The case was reported to Moscow by the Monastery of Nikolisk on, on February 27, 1782 which had recorded every birth. It is noted by this time that only two of the children who were born in the period of 1725 to 1765 failed to survive their infancy. So she had 67 kids that survived past infancy. Which in the the 1700s, that is an incredible feat itself. I do had, And she's had 69 kids in just 40 years. 
Then here's, here's the kicker. She dies. <laughs> and you then think? Fyodor Vasiliev went on to marry someone else and father 18 more children. Oh, my. So he was the father to uh, 80, 87, 75, or 85 living. In St. Petersburg Par- or Panorama, Bashutsky. <laughs> I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. This guy's name is Bashutsky. Uh, Bashutsky. An, 18, an 1834 author noted that in the day of the 27th of February, 1782, the list from Nikolisky Monastery came to Moscow containing the information that a peasant in the Shuya district, Fyodor Vasiliev, married twice and had 87 children. Wow. Now, Scott, how heavy do you think the heaviest baby ever born was? 23 pounds. Ooh, you were very close. 22 pounds. 22 pounds. Wow. That was a weight of a child born to giantist Anna Bates, born mm-hmm. in Canada, August 6, 1846, and died August 5, 1888. Giantist Anna Bates, as her name may suggest, was very small. (laughs) (laughs) If she's very small, how is she a giantess? What am I missing here? That was my joke. It was very stupid. Oh, Giantist Anna Bates, as her name may suggest, was a rather tall woman. Six feet, 11 inches tall to be exact. Or seven feet, 11 inches tall to be exact. Her husband, <clears throat> Martin Van Buren Bates, was born on the 9th of November, 1837, and was reported to reach 7 feet 11 inches, although he probably lied because his wife was taller than him and he was only like 7 feet 9 inches. Shorty. And she gave birth to a boy weighing 22 pounds and measuring in at 28 inches at her Holy home. Cow. In Seville, Ohio, USA, on the 19th of January, 1879, breaking the record for both heaviest birth and longest baby. The baby went on to kill his mother at the Bates Motel. His name was Norman. Hey, do you know what her occupation was? Being a giant? Circus attraction. Well, of course, Scott. What else are you going to do? If I'm 7 foot 11, I'm going to go find a circus. Gonna not play basketball. Eighteen forty-six. That's a shame. She could have dominated. Oh my goodness! Well, that, this was before. I don't. When was basketball invented? I don't. Uh, late eighteen hundreds. Okay, so she was born and died when before was basketball invented. Just type it. That's not good audio. You talking to your phone? Eighteen ninety-one. So after she She'd died, been here and gone. Yeah, so that's why she wasn't on the basketball team. All right, Scott, here's a fun here's a fun one to think about. Uh, Nineteen eighty seven. This record was set: the most premature baby. The most premature baby to survive. To survive in eighty seven. Uh, 
19 weeks. I don't know how many days 19 weeks is. I see, so it'd be 126. You know what? You're really not that far off, but actually it's more than that. 128 days premature. Uh huh. James Elgin wow. Gill was born to Brendan James Gill, weighing one pound six ounces. Mm. To put that into perspective. The normal human gestation period is 280 days. Yeah. This is this is less than half of that. His parents were yeah. told that he had no chance of survival when he was born, weighing less than the average human heart and measuring only 12 and a half inches long. Much of his body was still developing, including his skin, hands, ears, and feet, with his eyes still fused shut. James, however, survived, defying all the odds, and is still with us to this day, I assume. What do you think this 2002, the shortest baby ever? Let me see here. Uh, nine inches. Scott, you're nuts. It's 9.44 <laughs> inches. <laughs> Nina Juarez was born measuring just 24 centimeters or 9.44 inches long and weighing just 11.3 ounces. She was born 108 days premature at the Children's Hospital and Clinic in Minneapolis, Minnesota and discharged from the hospital later on on the 6th of December 2002. Now, here, let's flip this upside down. What do you think the shortest female to give birth is uh wow three foot eleven please put it in inches because the guinness book of world record apparently oh, does not believe that, in feet and i don't that would do be math. 40 47 inches nope not even close how tall 28 really? and a half inches tall what <laughs> stacy harold like two foot four inches yep stacy harold was just 28 and a half inches tall when she gave birth for the first time. She delivered her child, a girl named Katiri, in Dry Ridge, Kentucky, USA, on the 21st of October, 2006. She delivered her second baby girl, Makia, on uh, the 1st of January, 2008. She then gave birth to her third child, a boy named Malachi, in 2009. Sadly, Stacy passed away in 2018 at the age of 44. Thanks for the pick-me-up there at the end. All right, here's another fun-filled fact. If you're not enjoying this show, then sorry. We'll see you next month. Who is... <laughs> this happened in 2006. The oldest person to give birth. Uh, who is? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know the who. What were they, like 60s? Yeah, I want, I want her name. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> it How was old was she? Beth. Beth Smildridge. Nope. Uh, uh, 66. Dude! <laughs> that's so... That's incredible that you're able to get these... This, are you looking at the article? No, I'm not. I'm just kind of... I'm just kind of guessing. The kinda oldest guessing. person to give birth is Maria del Carmen Busada Lora uh, from Spain. In January, or she was born January 1940, who gave birth by cesarean section to twin boys Christian and Pau, aged at the age of 66 years old and 358 days, almost 67 years old, at St. Pau Hospital, Barcelona, Spain, on December 29, 2006. 
This also makes her the oldest person to give birth to twins. Maria received in vitro fertilization treatment in America by lying and saying she was 55 years old after being rejected for treatment in Spain. Sadly, Maria passed away on Saturday, July 11th, 2009, after being diagnosed with cancer. Now, who was the oldest mother to conceive naturally? How old was she? 56. 59. 59. Still, that's just... It's incredible. She gave birth to a son by cesarean section, a woman named Dawn Brooke from the UK on the 20th of October, or August, the 20th of August, 1997. Now, this one's going to make you have to do some mental backflips here. Okay. What was the oldest woman to give birth to her grandchildren? I cannot do it. I'm not doing it. The oldest woman to give birth to her grandchildren, <laughs> which means her son impregnated her. Uh, uh, she was uh, 44. 56. Jocelyn Dallenberg, USA, acted as surrogate mother for her daughter, Kim Casino, and then carried and then delivered her own grandchildren, three girls, on the 11th of October, 2008. Not as gross as you thought. So it was it was a surrogate. Okay. So I feel better about this story now. Unless unless she identified oh. as a woman, then it was a misurgate. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Just when I thought I was okay with this story. All right, here's a fun joke, or here's a fun joke. These are not jokes. These are real people's lives. Um, <laughs> who is the heaviest woman to give birth? Uh, how much did she weigh? How much did she weigh? She weighed 547 pounds. Ah, uh, you're so close. 532 pounds. Wow. When she gave birth <laughs> to daughter Jacqueline Nicole... Uh, Jacqueline Nicole or Donna Simpson of New Jersey. That why, why does that not surprise me? Yeah, I don't know why. I I have nothing wrong. I have family from New Jersey. I visited New Jersey as a as a small baby, but it doesn't surprise me when I heard that Donna Simpson of New Jersey was the biggest woman uh, to give birth to her daughter. Oh my! Why? 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 Is why? She in a yeah. Because why is she in a bikini? Why are you? Why did you show me that? Seriously? Is oh okay. I guess there is a bikini under there. It looks like Jabba the Hutt put on Leia's slave outfit from Star Wars. Wow. And I can say that I'm a fat man. I don't walk around in a speedo. Good you night. Know what? That, that is sad. Anyways, I mean her belly hangs down to her knees. Yeah. And so does ours, but we don't go around showing it. <laughs> not quite not quite that far. Does your so belly hang low? Does it wobble to and fro? <laughs> <laughs> Can you does tie it, it in a knot? Can you tie it in a bow? Can you throw it over your shoulder like a continental soldier? Does your belly hang low? Uh, anyways, hey, Donna I'm telling you right now. This woman here, she can flip her belly over her shoulder. I have no doubt. Stop. 
Donna Simpson of New Jersey weighed 532 pounds. She gave birth to daughter Jacqueline Nicole uh, Guamba in February of 2007. Jacqueline weighed 8 pounds and 14 ounces. Donna gave birth at Akron City Hospital, located at West Market Street in Akron, Ohio. The delivery was performed by Dr. Brian Josephs, assisted by some 30 medical professionals. All right. This is the, uh... All right, here's here's three more. Hey, Donna. No, Donna, don't if you're out Donna. there, get Donna. in touch with us. No, don't, please don't. We'd love to hear from you. I wouldn't. I, I'd love to hear about your experience, your daughter, how's she doing? And, uh, anyway, get, get in touch with us. Donna Simpson is a woman who in 2008 expressed a desire to become one of the world's heaviest women in competition with Susan Eamon. She wished to attain a target weight of 800 pounds. As of June 2010, Simpson weighed 602, down from her weight of 630. You know what? Good for her. We all need a goal in life. Now I'm going to look up Susan Eamon. Stop. 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 We're done with that. We're talking about babies. All right. This record was set in 2020. The longest interval between births of triplets. How long did it take a woman to give birth to three babies, Scott? Hold up. You can't not see this. No! Oh, she looks like the Michelin Man. I just (laughs) see her legs, and she looks like the Michelin Man. Put it away. (laughs) 728 pounds. That's too All much. Right. Stop. Hey, this is your, this is your fault. All right. How it's long? What was fault. the quickest time? I didn't time tell that... you to look up these women. <laughs> How do you not? How long did it take to give birth to triplets? The longest interval between birth of triplets. Uh, twenty-seven hours. Five days. 12 hours and 34 minutes. Five days? Achieved during the births of Cian, Declan, and Rowan DeShane from Burlington, Vermont. From from the 28th of December, 2019, to the 2nd of January, 2020, Cian, or or, or, this woman was in labor. Cian was born at 1040 on the 28th of December, 2019, and Declan and Rowan were born five days later, at nine eleven and nine fourteen, respectively, on January second, twenty twenty. This means the identical sibling triplets were born in separate decades. Wow. See, and today they've taken a knife and had been over in five minutes. Dude, this happened in twenty twenty. I. 2020? I thought you said 1900. No, 2019 to 2020. Oh, who would let a woman go five days in labor? Maybe she wanted to do it naturally. Oh, that could have been good. Holy cow. Apparently, apparently, (laughs) I don't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say what I was okay. thinking. No, I am. Donna Simpson just thought she was taking a poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's so bad. It's have true. You ever seen, it's bad. Have you ever seen that show? I didn't know I was pregnant. Yes. Where yes. Ethan? I had a teacher. There was a teacher at our high school. Was she a big gal? Stomach. Yes, she was a big gal. Started having stomach pains one day. Went to the hospital and like delivered that night. Um, what's the longest interval between births of twins? Six days. Ninety days. What? How's that even possible? Molly and Benjamin West had fraternal twins born in Baltimore, Maryland, USA. Or were Baltimore... Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Molly and Benjamin West were fraternal twins born in Baltimore, Maryland to parents Lessa and David West on the 1st of January and the 30th of March... 1996. Molly was born three months premature on New Year's Day, but doctors stopped Les's contractions in order so, or so that she could carry David to term. Wow. What a story. Okay, one, one last one. What is the longest interval between birth of quadruplets? Shoot, man, the way this is going, 27 months. <laughs> is that your, your final answer? That's my final answer. Nope, nine days. Uh, Jackie Iverson of Canada, of Saskatoon, Canada, gave birth normally to a boy, Christopher, on the 21st of November in 1993, a girl, Alexandra, on the 29th of November 1993, and was delivered of, uh, that's a weird way of putting it, and was delivered of another boy and girl, Matthew and Sarah, by Caesarean on the 30th of November 1993. Joint holder Sia Siu Hui from Singapore, oh, <laughs> Like, what the crap's a joint holder when it comes to babies? <laughs> you think with that kind of medicine, she'd go quicker. She'd be more relaxed. No, this woman also has uh, shares the record with Jackie Iverson, a woman from Singapore named Sarah Siwu Hui. Gave birth to her first quadruplet, a boy, on the 14th of September, 2004. The remaining three quadruplets, all girl, were delivered by cesarean section on the 23rd of September, 2004. Nine days, one hour, and 53 minutes later. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what's even more crazy? I was looking down here, and I was looking at some of the comments. And there's one that I, I highly agree with that I want... To know, is there a section for the longest umbilical cord? And there's not. I've looked it up. Ooh, that's a good question. Hey, but <laughs> here at the Rotten and Righteous Show, we review MASH. But we're not doing that this week because we've already recorded 58 minutes and 35 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was one more story I forgot. Another, I, I mean. That's you said there were three. I know, we're getting really political here. But this one is also from Fox. And I, I, I mean, I feel bad for Biden. I think that he's, I think that he's, he's got some, some issues uh, that we, we, we don't know about. Mm-hmm. But this one comes from today, uh, June, July 12, 2022. Biden administration says 66 is too old for commercial pilots as president nears 80. 
The Biden administration uh. says that 66 is too old for commercial airline pilots, as President Biden nears 80 years old. Transportation security Pete Buttigieg expressed his opposition to raising the airline pilot retirement age to 67 from 65. Over the weekend on Fox News Sunday, as his boss nears octogenarian status. While speaking on Fox News Sunday, the transportation secretary said that the retirement ages were there for a reason and that he was not going to be on board with anything that compromises safety. The answer is not to keep baby boomer generation in the cockpit indefinitely, Buttigieg said. The answer is to make sure we have as many good pilots ready to take their place. To have a stronger pipeline, he continued. We're backing that up with FAA programs that support high school and college curriculum to get into aviation. And of course, ultimately, it'll be for the airlines and those employers to hire and retain excellent talent. Fox Business asked the White House Department of Transportation why the administration believes 66 is too old to be a commercial pilot, but 80 isn't too old to be president of the United States. You're going to be shocked Outstanding here. Outstanding question. Neither answered that- Fox Business's questions. Budacek also said during the interview that his department was launching a new investigation into airlines as flights are being canceled left and right. We have concluded another 10 investigations on airlines on these issues, and we've launched another 10 or so that we're going to pursue to make sure that the consumers and passengers are protected, Budacek said. Host Mike Emanuel noted that there is a shortage of pilots, and while current law requires U.S. commercial pilots to retire by age 65, lawmakers like Senator Lindsey Graham are looking into raising this to 67. Budacek firmly opposes this. Biden will turn 80 shortly after the midterm elections on November 20th. So you can fly the country at 80, but you can't fly a jet at 67. Now, if I'm being truly honest right now, I think that as well as term limits for every branch of the government, save for mm-hmm. the judiciary because they did something good, um, they can they can keep their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of them can go away. But I think for every branch of the government, there needs to be term limits and age limits. I mean, you have to be 35 to become president of the United States because you have to have a certain amount of life experience. Makes sense. Which is kind of scary when you think about it, Scott. I'm 31. I'm four years away from being qualified. You're four years away to run for president. And I don't feel like I'm ready to to manage a 7-Eleven. Wow. I can hear it now, man. I can hear it now. Zach Geiler in 2028. I can I can hear it now too. Zach Geiler has been impeached. <laughs> not we're not getting rid of him. He just found a peach. We gotta get you. To, he just found a peach and tried to climb inside. <laughs> uh, we gotta get you elected first, man. <laughs> you are a peach. That would be an adorable picture, wouldn't it? Just me climbing inside of a peach. Climbing in a peach, yep. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, look, President Geiler just How got cute. impeached. Aw, he's so cute. What a sweetie. My goodness. We are... <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our, our reporting of the news. But you already know the news is bad. So why are we even talking about it? That's... That's what Kovar believes. She's a news anchor, and she says she doesn't need to tell you about bad news because you already know it. <laughs> hey, and like it's it's hot out there today too. Like, like it's pretty warm. Hey, yeah, my mom, man, my mom said it was hot, so you know it's hot. You know it's hot. When mom says it's hot, it's hot. So, anyways, we got weather guy here to talk about the weather, but let me talk about the weather for about forty-five more minutes, and then we'll let weather guy talk about the weather. And then we'll kill weather guy.
Hey, listen. Not a second shooter. For Rotten Righteous, I'm Zach Geiler. And I'm Herpy Bannister. You're not. You're just Scott forget, Judge. You forget don't, what name I gave earlier. You said too many. You've, you said the word Herpy too many times for me to be comfortable. I'm gonna have to put. I'm gonna have to put an explicit tag on this podcast because we said oh, Herpy too many times. That's great. It's not and for we, young listeners. And we know. Oh, we talked about fat people for 45,000 years. Fat people? We looked at them, too. But we didn't make your life any better. But it could have been worse. For example, on July 15th, 1972. In the midst of a war that ultimately claimed the lives of more than 58,000 American soldiers and shattered tens of thousands more, actress Jane Fonda paid a friendly visit to an enemy camp in Hanoi laughed, sang, and cheerfully posed for a picture straddling a North Vietnamese anti-aircraft gun. Americans were appalled by what many perceived as treason, and Fonda was derisively dubbed Hanoi Jane for her behavior. As she told celebrity confessor Oprah Winfrey decades later, I will go to my grave regretting the photograph of me. It hurt so many soldiers. It galvanized such hostility. It was the most horrible thing I could possibly have done. It was just thoughtless. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right, man. You have a great week. I'll, I'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll try to talk about MASH on our MASH podcast next week. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you're alive, man. I'm glad you're alive. Hey, next time, <clears throat> don't bother checking on me or nothing. It's fine. That was Rotten or Righteous News with Zach Geiler and Scott Judge. Tune in next week for maybe more of this, but probably not, on the Rotten or Righteous News Network.